0: the show
1: already what is up everybody welcome into another episode of flipping bats and we have a great one for you today the new manager of the los angeles angels phil nevin is about to join me i have so many awesome questions to ask him about his first managerial experience managing mike trout and shohei otani having to win over a locker room and you know what He was an all-star player in his own right. So talking to him a little bit about that as well. But I'm so pumped for you all to hear this. Let's welcome him in now, Phil Nevin. Phil, thank you so much for joining me.
2: I appreciate it, Ben. No problem.
1: So first, let me ask you this. This year, you, you joined the Angels coaching staff. And how cool was that for you as a kid from Fullerton, California, to become... To, to be on the coaching staff of your hometown team. Did you grow up an Angels fan?
2: You know, I can let me take this a step further. Yes, I did. I, it was Angels and Dodgers. Uh, my dad was a big Dodger fan, so back then he would come home from work at like 5.30, we'd eat dinner, and we'd leave at like 6.30 to be at Dodger Stadium for a 7 o'clock game. Right now, if I left at 6.30 to go to a Dodger game, I, I might get there by about 50. <laughs> Uh, rode in the back of his truck and everything back in you know the late 70s early 80s but um I did grow up a big Angels fan I can take it one step further in high school I spent one year for my summer job I sold souvenirs at Angel Games um hopefully this one lasts a little bit longer I had a uh, (laughs) I was the guy that would carry the basket around you know the foam fingers and the programs and everything and I, uh, I didn't do too well in sales because I would just like stop at the end of the aisle and I'd stand there and watch games and I remember Jim Abbott's first game, I was I was actually doing that and I actually was let go, uh, I didn't make it through the whole season because I wasn't selling enough stuff and basically it was, <laughs> you know, you're 17 years old or 16 or whatever it was and you see some buddies in the stands and they're making fun of you, uh, so you don't want to go down that aisle. And I sat there and watched the games. And, um, yeah, I didn't get much sales done. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was let go from that one uh, pretty quickly.
1: <laughs> Did you ever imagine? Could you have ever dreamed that one day you would not only play for the Angels because you had a year there, but you would mm-hmm. also end up managing the Angels? Was that ever in your wildest dreams?
2: You know, I mean, playing here was really cool, yeah. Um, Coming back here this year as a coach was was exciting for me. A lot going on. My you know my son was in the middle of finishing up college, so I knew he'd be home for a good part of the summer. Um, my granddaughter was born seven and a half weeks ago, so I was able. I knew I'd be able to spend a lot of time with her and my family. I'm about an hour and twenty minutes from my house, so it's we do have a little apartment here right by the stadium, but I'm able to go home sometimes after games during the week at night. Certainly, after day games, days off, I was able to spend all yesterday at home with, with everybody. My 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 daughter came over, and my son-in-law with my granddaughter, and I spent the whole day with her. Watched my watched Tyler, uh, my son now with the Orioles there in Toronto. Got to see his game last night on TV. Barbecue and hang out by the pool. And um, no, it's it is. Uh, you know, if you were to sit out and plan like a perfect team and situation um this would certainly be it
1: that's awesome and and the other day that you know dream became a reality you become a manager it's for your hometown team how was that moment for you what was the moment like that you found out you were going to become the manager of the angels
2: well, well, it happened quick. I mean, let's say I don't want to glorify the day. Um, it was not – obviously, this isn't how I anticipated things happening uh, to, to be in this role. Um, it was more of a sad day for me when I first heard the news. Joe Madden's a, a special person to me. I played for him in 1998 when I was a member of the Angels. He was the bench coach. Uh, I was excited to work with him, and you know, it was a great first three months. We had certainly had some highs and some lows. I've learned a lot from him. He's a friend. Uh, He's somebody that I leaned on, and I took a lot of things from him. But right away when when I was called by Perry and and we met for a short time, Joe and I had a conversation, and it really put me at ease as far as walking into that room and accepting what this role role now is. He told me to just be myself. Uh, This is something I've worked for for a long time, take it and run with it. Um, so I felt better about walking into that room, especially his office, which I, I didn't go in the first day. But, um, you know, as this plays out and with and the way the routine goes, you know, it's, it's part of the job and being in there. Um, so that transition Joe made, you know, he made it easy for me to walk in that room. But certainly um, there comes with it some excitement, uh, but it was more getting into a routine and understanding it. Yesterday with the day off, I keep hitting this thing and it's shaking. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I was—I gotta quit talking with my hands. So, it—it uh, it was certainly, you know, yeah, I was able to sit back yesterday and understand, uh, take a moment to just, you know, hey, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm a, I'm a lucky. I'm lucky to have this opportunity. And now, what do we do? And my mind was racing all day yesterday on things that you know can make us better and. Um, with the players, with the staff, with the the clubhouse management, the training staff, and getting it all working together. And I think the day off was a nice little reset for everybody. We head up to L.A. this afternoon, and and I think we'll have some sense of normalcy. Well,
1: I think it's important to add that this Angels team is ready to win and ready to win now, and they don't make a move like they did in the middle of a season if they don't believe in you as the manager you can be, which is pretty cool, I think. And, uh, a, a credit to you and the person you are, who was, uh, who was the first phone call that you made after you were able to step back, realize what was happening. Who was your first phone call? My son,
2: my, my oldest son, he was, uh, he was actually getting ready to go off for batting practice. I think they were in <laughs> Kansas city. They might, I think they were in Kansas city. They might've been home, but, uh, Uh, he had we had spoke we just got off the phone and um and then i received the phone call and then as soon as that was over i spoke with perry for a little bit and then yes i uh tyler was my first call um it was a good one it was similar to like when he told me he was going to the big leagues
1: Uh, that's you know some
2: emotional stuff and and you know hey look at In this line of work, you know, as I've been coaching now since, you know, 2009, you know, I played up until six. I was home for two years, but uh, everybody talks about the grind I went through. To me, it was never a grind. I I enjoyed every second of it the relationships I made, the places I was able to go, um, the knowledge I gained, the learning experiences I had. The grind now was my family. Uh, You know, dad's not there for every high school game as I would have been little league uh, then his draft day and going through the minor leagues and um uh, you know you're not home as a husband you're not home as a dad you're not home as now a grandfather um you know those are things that are a grind on them you know for them having to fly across country to see their dad for yeah, i know they enjoyed their yeah. times at the field and all that but you're not home every single day i made as much effort as i could to get home but so for them it's kind of they understood what the journey was and him being a big league player. Now he understood it a great deal. So it was an emotional call. Of course, Uh, he's, you know, when your kids tell you, they're proud of you, that's pretty cool. You know, so that's, (laughs) that's, that's, (laughs) you're supposed to be telling them, you know,
1: well, the cool thing is you've both gotten to give each other a call and you tell each other, you're proud of each other. And that's really cool. Um, So you become the manager of this team. That's full of, superstars legitimately you might not be wrong to say the two best players in all of baseball are on this team what is that first meeting like when you address the team for the first time what what was the message that you wanted to give to to your team
2: well you know you don't when these things happen it's usually under uh circumstances that you know well we weren't playing well as everybody knows i believe we were at a 11 or 12 in a row at that time uh yeah The first thing I said to them was how proud I was of them, how they've been handling the streak. I mean, you come into the clubhouse every day, you would think that we were winning a lot of games. They were preparing every day to win. The, the, The practice work was great. Their batting practice work was great. The camaraderie in that room is phenomenal. We got some really, really cool dudes in there that they get each other. You can tell the closeness of this group. So my message really was that I was proud of them. And then you take it, you know, their post game, the way that room was post game, you could tell uh, the pain on their face after losses. You can tell how much they cared. And that means a heck of a lot to a manager, to a coach. Um, you know, they want to win. You know, they want to figure it out. And it was just a matter of kind of getting that first one and then, okay, maybe we can go on from here. Uh, we got that Thursday. Uh, we ran into a tough club with the Mets. Uh, we lost two out of three, but we we're in all the games. We played very well. The off day, like I said yesterday, was was probably good for a lot of people to step back and reset, take a deep breath. Uh, we head out on the road right now, which I think will be good for us. And but when you, like you said, when you have two of the best players really in the world, um, you might want to throw Andy Rendon in pretty close to that category as well, um, sure. Tony uh, Anthony Rendon and. I mean, I got a, there's a lot of talented players here. And for a first-year manager, you don't usually get to walk into those situations. Uh, you know, Aaron Boone certainly did in New York, uh, Alex in Boston, but um, usually these things don't happen this way. So I, I definitely feel very fortunate to have those guys. And when your best players on your team are also some of the best dudes and leaders, uh, that's half the battle in this because they control that room. They make that room special for their their teammates, as well as the other, you know, 26, seven guys in the room. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of weight off my shoulders, knowing that that room's taken care of by those guys.
1: What kind of leader is Shohei Otani in the locker room? We see what he does on the field. His play speaks for itself. But what kind of leader is he for this team?
2: Well, I can tell you, his personality is something that not a lot of people get to see. And I'm fortunate behind closed doors to get to know Shohei. <laughs> He's just a wonderful human being. Um, he loves this game. Um, I would say as far as people with knowledge about this game, throughout the inner workings and how uh, what makes winning players, what are winning plays in a game, uh, I'm not sure I've been around many better than Shohei, whether it's base running uh, fundamentals of the game understanding preparation understanding what has happened in the past he can tell you I'm sure every player that's ever that he's ever faced and what he's done uh, he knows exactly who is swinging the bat well who's not and who sees his pitches better he's he's so brilliant um, it it almost matches his talent on the field and that's what makes him great wow. um, and Mike Trout I can say the same thing about him. I mean I know we're talking about those two players but and, and they're, they're obviously always a topic of conversation. But Mike Trout is, is, is exactly the same way. Like I said, you, when you have those two guys uh, together, uh, it makes my job a lot easier. <laughs> I,
1: I bet it does. With, so Shohei is one of the most unique – I think he's the most unique player we've ever seen. And I'm sure with that comes along some pressure, Maybe maybe some pressure managing a guy like that. How do you – now tasked with this job how do you manage Shohei Otani I will say
2: this he's I take pride in communicating with players and each guy but I mean he's the same way our 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 conversations and our communication from the get-go has been outstanding right up until you know Saturday night um, he came to me and and we kind of had a discussion about what Sunday would be like and to get him off his feet on Sunday and then just have all day yesterday off. uh, You know, he understands his body. He understands when it's a good time to take a day and take a, take a little bit of a rest. And he mentioned that to me about Sunday. um, And I trust him. Uh, You know, there's nobody in the world that's doing what he's doing. Um, It hasn't been done before. It's unprecedented, obviously. Uh, You know, he had a regimented schedule last year. It's pretty much the same this year. We plan well out and ahead, but there's going to be times like this weekend where he just says, "Hey, my body needs a day tomorrow," and you know, and I got Monday too, and I reset by Tuesday. Um, you know, the, having those off days is going to make for a better show. Hey, Tawny down the road. I know the ESPN people didn't care for it too much for Sunday, but uh,
1: <laughs> they had been framing that I, game as like the Troutani show, and then, <laughs> that was funny.
2: Yeah. Buster actually asked me about that middle of the game, and I just said, hey, the more healthy and the more fresh we can keep Shohei throughout the year, trust me, we're going to be having a lot more times on ESPN for the world to see him.
1: So this team, we've talked about the superstars. We know there are plenty of superstars, but this team as a whole is very talented, and this offseason went out and addressed – the obvious um, weak spots in the pitching, the pitching rotation has a lot of really good arms. Then in the bullpen, you add Bradley, Loop, Signback, Iglesias. Um, this team is built to win. Is How does this team, and, and what do you have to do to make the playoffs?
2: Well, that was really one of the first conversations as a group of players that I had was with that bullpen. And- having them understand what they're going to be like each day. I think it's it's always been important for me. I I kind of learned that from some, some great managers i played for in the past. I thought Bruce Bochy was one of the best at handling a pen. And he had those conversations each day with his players, he, especially the bullpen guys. He touched each one of them, um, understood where they were each day. And I think that communication creates an honest relationship you know, between myself and that that player, um, I know where he's at each day. He understands where I'm at and what he might be doing. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say we have set roles and somebody has the seventh and the eighth. And obviously, Iggy pitches the ninth majority of the time. But um, for them to understand what they where I might shoot him that day, um, I do believe that it's you know for them it's you have certain guys that are better accustomed to coming in with fresh innings. There's guys that are. They can really handle that heat and coming in in the middle of an inning and getting some outs. Archie Bradley got some big outs this week for us, uh, coming in with traffic in the middle of the game. One happened to be in the third inning, and then I think I did it again in the fourth inning uh, a couple days later. And, and he was phenomenal in that role, uh, I anticipate. you know, But he also can come in and clean in a clean inning. He's closed games before. He's set up. He's been a long man. He understands. The inner workings of that, and I've just told him to be ready for anything. I communicate with him just as I do with the loop. It's a para, um, you know, Kahata. We have so many good arms out there, and it's for me. It's just important for them to understand where they're at that day. Um, but that is going to be a strength of ours. You, as you know, uh, playoff teams and teams that go far in these in these seasons, um, their bullpens are strong. Uh, they have. You know, the, and not necessarily roles defined, but those guys understand where they're at each day and I think that's a model for success.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Yep, I agree completely. Uh, June 7th, your first game as manager. Really cool moment, I have to believe. But w- what were the nerves like
2: that day? Were you nervous? I Honestly, Ben, I don't think I had time to be nervous. I found out about 1230. <laughs> Funny story, and I've told it a, a time or two. Uh, we did the media Deal before, and I went out to do the stuff in the dugout. And, um, you know, obviously, the bulk of the questions are Shohei Otani and work this and that. And they asked me where he was hitting. And at that point, it dawned on me, like, oh my God, I got to make a lineup for the game. I <laughs> uh, so I said, well, you know, he's going to hit second. I played it off. And as soon as I got inside, I, I went to Ray Montgomery, my bench coach, and I said, Ray, we need to make a lineup. And by the way, Shohei's in second. We're, we're starting there. So. <laughs> But like I said, each day came a little more uh, with some normalcy and structure. But I think when the game started, the national anthem was when the first time I had a chance to just kind of stop and breathe and take it all in. And it's like, oh, okay, here we go. But I have a tremendous staff. Uh, These, you know, we've worked together as a group this whole time. That's not going to change where that was a close. That's a close group in that room. It remains that way. Uh, it really could have been any of us there's a lot of guys with experience that i'm going to lean on uh, throughout this process but i know we were prepared and you 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 know nervousness comes from people that, that for me that they're not prepared to enter a situation and and i know going into a game between the conversations i have with my pitching coach my hitting coach really the entire staff and especially ray montgomery who's been as prepared as anyone before games. And he's by my side. Uh, he's a friend I've had for 30 years. We were in each other's weddings 28, 29 years ago, believe it or not. And just kind of reconnected this year. We were roommates in AAA. So uh, he, uh, uh, he's awesome. And I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have him. Uh, so I, like I said, we're prepared every day. So that takes away some of the nerves, but certainly during that first anthem, I was, uh, yeah, it hit me a little bit. So.
1: This is probably the hardest-hitting question you'll get this entire time, but I believe that first game you managed was the 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 night that everybody had Nickelback songs walking up. So, my my yeah. question to you is: If you were to have a Nickelback song, let's say you go out to make a pitching change, what would your song of choice have been?
2: You know, Ben, I'm not a great music guy, but I will say this. <laughs> Every inning, I think, is whoever was the last hitter that came up. And I don't, I don't really pay attention to those songs, but all of a sudden, I'm humming. I'm saying I can't get these songs out of my head. Uh, I woke up the next morning. Believe it, I woke up the next morning, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm, I start singing, look at this photograph, you know, that one. And I can't, <laughs> can't believe it. Good thing I was by myself. But it's uh, I just kept, and you guys, a deep voice. I tried different. I mean, I'm laying in bed singing the <laughs> I'd have to say that one is probably because the only one I can tell you the exact words off the top of my head.
1: It's also that night was Shohei's walk-up, and then morning you woke up singing that was Shohei's start on the mound in which he did. It was a Showtime performance. Started on the mound, did fantastic, hit a homer, had a couple of hits, and then I, I feel like you're going to forever look back. You know, your first win as a manager is something you always remember, I have to think. But for it to come amidst a, a, a tough losing streak and to have Shohei Otani literally put his team on the back and say, this is over, that had to be a really cool feeling. And uh, so, yeah, that that first win for you, how awesome was that when it finally got done? And Shohei, who got the game ball, I heard this, so tell me if I'm correct here. Shohei gave you the game ball after the game mm-hmm. in the locker room.
2: It, it was actually the ball, the home run ball. Somebody had given him the ball that he hit the home run. Wow. It was the home run ball. But when we came in the clubhouse, he he handed it to me. Um, actually, the PR, there was one of our PR people uh, gave it to Shohei, and I was standing right there, and he turned and handed it to me. And every time I walked by him, he kind of looks at me now and says, manager, you know, like that. And he said, hey, manager. <laughs> he it, it was it was neat. And then there, there was some, you know, after the game, look at this game is about the players. It always will be. Um, I know what the narrative was that day. Um, And I told, I thanked them for that. I let them know that this was about them. It has nothing to do with me, but for a few seconds there, uh, some guys got up and said a few words and it meant a lot. So for a few moments there, I just told them, I thanked them for that. And um, this was a really cool moment for myself um, but it stemmed from what our team did that day. And that's what was most important to see all those guys, uh, you know, the pain, like I said, you know, it's a painful deal to go through two weeks of not winning a game, especially when you're that talent of a club and you care that much yeah. And uh, to see their faces after the game, to see the reaction after we won, uh, and to hear some kind words from, from some of the players. It certainly meant a lot to me.
1: You were in New York with the Yankees for, I believe, four years um, and, and that team obviously full of superstars it's in under the bright lights what's something you learned uh, with your time in new york under aaron boone and being with guys like aaron judge and superstars there what's something you learned that you take with you today in your managerial days
2: well for me getting to watch booney interact with media and people and Every day, uh, you know, Aaron and I have been friends since high school. I, I, I played with his brother in high school and in the big leagues, but um, watching Aaron Boone, uh, the way he interacted with everybody on a daily basis is the race, the relationships he made with the players, how he handles people. Um, I can't tell you how much it meant to me for one to be in this position now. I mean, heck, if I had this opportunity four years ago. I really believe I'm a better person from being around a guy like Aaron Boone for the last four years uh, and seeing how he handles everybody around him. Um, You know, I'm not going to say I'm going to try to be Aaron Boone. I can't do that. Uh, But I certainly had learned a lot from him on how he handles the media, how he handled his players. Uh, He's an extremely positive guy, as we know. Um, And and he he does it on a much larger scale, obviously. We are in Los Angeles, and obviously – Uh, there's a, there's a huge following with, with Shohei here too, but, um, you know, I, it's not like some places where it's just two or three people in front of me each day. I have a full room each night and, um, you know, I've formed relationships with all those people and I will continue to do that to make those conversations easier when we do go into that media room after the game, whether it's good or bad, um, you want to have those relationships. I saw, I watched Aaron do it and I think it was very valuable for him. Um, to be able to have those conversations with them, and uh, so I, I mostly I take that. I mean, and that's stuff that's away from the field. I mean, the game takes care of itself. Like I said, the, the preparation before games. I got great people around me to help me with that. And and uh, but the the underlying things that people don't really see your relationships with players, your communication with them, your staff, the training staff, the media, the clubhouse people. Everybody's important. We're all in this together. Um, when you win a championship, everybody gets the same-looking ring. We're all gonna look the same. It doesn't <laughs> look, you know, it doesn't look more. It doesn't look better because you're managing or you're um, you're doing the laundry, and it, it, everybody's as important as the next <laughs> guy. in It's uh, and, and we make it special for everybody.
1: So you, you learn a lot from him and in particular, you mentioned like the relationships you build with players. Was that something? So you take over as, as manager and did you take it upon yourself? Did you want to meet? one on one with with the superstars of the team and talk to them did you bring in mike trout who's one of the greatest of all time shohei otani anthony rendon did you bring those guys in and talk to them individually and start to build those relationship that it's different that managerial player relationship it, it is it certainly is i mean there's
2: you know i've always thought that you know the the coaches can have different relationships with players than the manager can Uh, If my relationships with players cross the line to where I can't have those difficult conversations with them because of your feelings or your care towards, I care about all of them, I love all of them, Uh, but I will have to have those difficult conversations at times with players. And if you cannot have those conversations because of where your relationship's gotten with somebody, then you've gone too far in that or you've gone about it the wrong way. Um, as far as meeting with Mike and Shohei, I met with all of them. I met with all of them as a group. Um, I, I've gone around and had individual conversations with each player, uh, not just the players, but the staff, uh, our training staff, and everybody involved around the room. Uh, I, I think those conversations are important. It's part, part of being a, a good club.
1: Yeah. So, look, I, I couldn't be – more happy and, and more pumped up for you as a manager. But for now, enough about being a manager. You were a big league all-star in your own right, and that's what I want to talk about now. In 2001, you make an all-star team. You're in a locker room with Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Randy Johnson. I was looking back at that all-star team. I was like, this is ridiculous. When you look back on that all-star game in 2001, what's a story that comes to mind from that year? Oh, that's easy. That's the
2: year Tommy got hit with the bat in the third base coaching box, if you remember. That's <laughs> Vladimir uh, Guer- Guerrero was up, he broke his bat, and Tommy Lasorda was coaching third, and the head of the bat went down. I mean, thankfully, it just clipped him in the shoulder, but Tommy went rolling backwards His hat fell <laughs> off. So everybody remembers that moment uh, during that All-Star game, but it- it's certainly, we go to Seattle actually this weekend, and-, and every time I go back there, it's certainly a special moment for me um, because of, because of that game. so it, uh, but, but as far as stories go from that game, that's the one I remember the most. That and my son being on the field. Uh, I believe he was four or five years old. Somehow he still remembers it. He's got a memory like an elephant. But he, uh, <laughs> it, 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 we, we discussed it often. And, and so those are the, really the two greatest memories I had from, from that game.
1: That's great. Early, early on in your career, you played for the Detroit Tigers organization, actually. And your manager for, you know, for a time there was Sparky Anderson, one of the greatest to ever do it as a manager, which is pretty cool. And now you're in those shoes as a big league manager. Did you learn anything? And I know this is a long time ago and you were a player, but looking back, do you take anything from your time with one of the greatest to ever do it and use it today?
2: Oh, of course. Uh, you know, he was a Southern California guy. I knew Sparky before I got to the Tigers, actually. He he was around Cal State Fullerton a little bit. Um, but, I mean, just walking into that room, and Sparky Anderson's your manager, uh, a special guy, meant a lot to me. He was one of those guys that, obviously, during this week, I wish I could have made a phone call to. Um, you know, a special person to me. He, You know, I only spent a short time with him, but I feel like he created... Uh, quite a bond with all his players right away as you know, including myself and only being around in those two months. Um, certainly, you know, our relationship grew. We saw each other away from the field during the off season. And, and uh, you know, certainly somebody I, I miss great, a great deal, especially being in this situation and knowing that I could lean on him for advice or in, in any situation, but he became a friend after I played for him uh, and, and certainly miss him to this day.
1: The Tigers organization is incredible with that man just being around and uh, another one that I wish I could talk to to this day but Mr. Kaline and I you know built a relationship just from being around the team he's always around spring training Alan Trammell Kirk Gibson I mean the names in the Tigers organization but Mr. Kaline was always to me one of the best human beings off of the field as well as one of the best players of all time on the field so uh The Tigers organization was a cool one to be a part of, for sure. And I wish I had gotten to know Sparky Anderson, as you said, as well. Um, Some fun questions for you before we finish up here. First of which being, who would be the toughest pitcher that you ever faced?
2: Pedro. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny knocks off of him. That's easy. Uh, Pedro, he embarrassed me on a Sunday night game. I think I struck out four (laughs) times. And I will say um In my last season, 2006, I faced your brother. He was a rookie. um We were in Texas, and I remember Pudge was catching for the Tigers, and we were. It was kind of. I think it was like one of those five o'clock games, and I just remember yeah. Justin throwing me a fastball that I I never saw, and it sounded firm. <laughs> I looked up at the board, and it was 100 miles an hour, and I turned around. I'm like, "Geez!" Like that, and Pedro goes. Or, uh, uh, Yvonne Rodriguez Pudge looks up at me and just kind of started laughing. He goes, oh, yeah, he throw hard. And you can't see anything, you? (laughs) (laughs) And the scouting report wasn't on the time. Justin, good live fastball, doesn't have good command of his breaking ball. Well, the second pitch, in fact, was a breaking ball. that It looked like it was a fastball that started right at my face, and I almost hit the dirt. And it comes back and breaks over the plate, strike two. And that's when I realized – I'm pretty close to the end here. This is about it. For me. If, this, <laughs> if this is what all these kids are like coming from the minor leagues, I have zero chance. And uh, I didn't get any hits that day. I told your brother that story before, but I would say, and I only got to face him uh, a couple times that season, but I would probably put your brother in that category because he was one of the first where I realized I'm done. So.
1: Uh, that's great. I mean, we we can we'll blame it on the five o'clock shadows in that game. Um
2: <laughs> <laughs> I will say hey, he, he also he also sent me a really he also sent me a nice message the other day and I appreciate it. I had some good times with, with, with your brother, of course, in Detroit and and over the years we've had some good conversations and, and I really appreciated that too. So
1: That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations again on becoming a manager of the Angels. I'm so pumped for you. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. And good luck the rest of the way, my friend.
2: Thanks for having me on, Ben. Thanks.
1: All right. I wanted to thank Phil Nevin for joining me. What an awesome conversation and really cool to be able to talk to a guy that just became a manager for the first time and is managing a team with the superstars, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. It was a really cool conversation to me, and uh, I am now a big fan of his. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. He is an awesome human being. But thank you all so much for listening. This has been a blast. Make sure you download, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, wherever you're listening to it right now. We're also on social media at Flippin' Bats Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can watch every episode, the video on YouTube. We also have a TikTok as well. But thank you all for joining me. I will see you all tomorrow on Flippin' Bats. Peace.